it's my privilege now to introduce you to our guest speaker for this morning, Ruth Rice. And we often say that, don't we? We say nice words about visiting speakers, yes. Um, but it genuinely is just a real privilege to introduce Ruth to you. Um, I first got to know her um, as one of the leaders at Fresh Dreams. Many of you would have heard of that. It's a conference that a number of, been to, of us have been to for a number of years now. Um, down at Swanwick at the beginning of each new year. Um, I've always been impressed by Ruth and what she shared, and it came time to seek a speaker for our Women's Day. And she wasn't able to come last year, but she was able to come this. And I just sense, I think before both of us that were here yesterday, we had a most wonderful day. And she just sense that she has a real word, not just for us ladies, but for this whole church. Sometimes we always believe God sends us the speakers that come to us, but sometimes you sense someone comes and you think, I think they're going to be a real friend of this church. And it's just such a strategic time as well. She's been pastor of another New Life Baptist church in West Bridgeford, which is um, a part of Nottingham or an area of Nottingham. And uh, just recently, in July, stepped out into leading a charity. She directs a charity now called Renew Wellbeing. Quiet spaces, shared spaces where it's okay not to be okay. And if I just tell you what this encompasses, you'll kind of know that she's really coming from where we're at as a church. In a nation where mental and emotional well-being is a real and growing concern, Renew Wellbeing is encouraging, supporting, and equipping churches to set up small, shared, cafe-style spaces where anyone can become part of an inclusive community, being present, being prayerful, and working in partnership with mental health teams are the three simple principles behind each community space. And I think what she's bringing us today, maybe we'll just come out of that. Father, we thank you that we just know that she is here in a powerless time for us as this church. And we just pray now, Lord, give her freedom, give Ruth your anointing, and give us open ears and hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's a bit of a build-up, personally. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a moment of silence for Ruth. I'm not really a fan of doing Women's Days. I don't know why, but that was a really good one. I kind of like the whole church being together, but I also get the whole church being together. So this is a bit of a treat. And to be at another new life when I've just had to leave my lovely new life to launch out into what God said, uh, it is a delight to be here. And I've also got to stay with the lovely Glenn and Janet, who I did say yesterday, and Janet's shaking her head at me going, if they've not invited you yet to stay, please invite yourself, because... It's better than the Premier Inn. Remarkable. I ate every single chocolate off my pillow last night. I just inhaled them. I've been on the blood sugar diet for five weeks. I really blew it last night. That's all your fault, girls, really. I don't think it matters if you're kind of north of Nottingham. I don't think it counts all I'm going to just tell you for a moment or two about my journey, just for those who missed it yesterday, uh, uh, sort of to contextualise myself. Um, we all had cups yesterday, and I, I kind of think about my life as a cup in God's hands, really. I like the imagery of it. I like the normalness of it. And I was one of these cup half full, cup very full sort of people. I was a primary school teacher for 20 years. Loved it. I got three kids, lovely husband, leading in the church. It's like, live it large. And then one day... Pfft, 
just all emptied out. About 10 years ago, I found myself, and I was telling the ladies yesterday, the day I knew I wasn't well, it wasn't that I'd lost my voice for months. It was the fact that I was watching reruns of Dallas, and I couldn't get out of my bed just for months. I had no voice, no energy. I couldn't work. For the first time in 20 years, I had to have time off work. Um, my kids just had to get on without me, and it was devastating. didn't know who I was. And I said yesterday, it actually turned out to be the best year of my life because um, one day lying there watching reruns of Dallas, God got in next to me and said to me, I couldn't love you anymore, and I'll never love you any less. If you don't get your voice back and you never get out of this bed, I still love you. I've been brought up in a brethren church, and I'm a good girl. (laughs) Thank you. I have fallen a long way from the tree, because I do know I'm still a girl and everything. But um, I know, I know. It's, it's It's been a strange old journey. But I've been brought up where busyness is next to godliness, and it was a tough year. And I did have to give up teaching. I couldn't manage it anymore. My voice never properly returned, even though God had some significant moments of healing. But, you know, during that year, I met these remarkable people for whom they didn't suddenly get better and for whom their mental ill health had gone on for years and for whom work was just a distant memory and for whom their days were long and empty and for whom church was not always a safe place to be because that's what I'd found. As the leader of the church, I didn't really want to be there. Not because I didn't love the people and I didn't love Jesus, but because everyone wanted me to be better and I couldn't be better. I wasn't ready. And they didn't have anything else. (laughs) We didn't have any other habits or places that were okay when you weren't okay. Hence the journey. And uh, I took myself off to Faldy Brennan in Pembrokeshire. I met the lovely Roy Sill from Northumbria Community. And I found some rhythms and habits of prayer, of deep contemplative prayer that I didn't know existed. Nobody told me. (laughs) And I began to have my cup filled a little bit, bit by bit. But you see, what had happened, and this is, Elizabeth, I'm going to need your help here. My beautiful assistant is just going to hold this jug. You see, I was pouring little bit by little bit into the cup, but it just kept emptying out because I wanted to help all these other people. I'd become the minister during this time, weird story. And then I was trying to help all these other people who were becoming part of our church because vulnerability attracts vulnerability. And I was wearing myself out again. And then God showed me that actually the business of prayer is more like this, that we are immersed in him. That when we pray, we pause, and in the pausing realize, thanks Elizabeth, we were always in his presence. We're not inviting his presence. We're not trying to conjure him up. He's, he is the air we breathe. <laughs> we live in this wonderful world that he's made for us, and he loves every person he's put on the planet. And so the practice of the presence of God became the thing that my life became about. But then I got a bit annoyed that I'd have to take everyone to Felder Brennan and I just, it's like in Pembrokeshire, it's miles away. And why? Why do we have to go there? Surely wherever the spirit of God is, there's this sort of freedom. Really? There's churches everywhere. Why am I driving to Pembrokeshire? <laughs> and I felt annoyed that my friends couldn't access God like I had. And that felt not fair. So I dreamed up a place on the high street where everybody was known and, you know, we could have prayer on the high street, that would be a good thing, and where anybody could come, regardless of whether they were coping or not. The mental health teams, I'd I'd met people to go and complain to them. As a minister, care in the community wasn't working. I'm sorry if you're in mental health services. You are doing your best. Bless you. 
But it wasn't working for people. And I was going to complain and sitting in on case conferences and being fairly horrified <laughs> with the level of support that was available to people. I was actually helping a girl who I was having to go in the middle of the night and get her down off Trent Bridge when she was thinking it was the only way. 22 suicide attempts later, she was trying to get the help she needed and it was the only way to get it. There must be a better way than this. And so God gave me a dream and the dream became a reality and it became this place, Renew 37. And Renew 37 is because of these statistics. One in four of our young people... How do we help? So the very simple thing that we decided to do was to show up and be present, to not try and fix people. There is no them and us with mental health. We're all on a sliding scale. And so people in the church would say, what shall we do for the mentally ill people? And I go, well, they're next to you. So um, first acknowledge that that's me. I'm your minister and I'm one of them. It's a bit of a Spartacus moment. And What's good for your well-being? How could you share that? What does it mean for you? What's a Christian response to this tsunami of mental ill health? And so we began to talk about our hobbies and our habits and whether they could be helpful to other people and to show up with our hobbies and do them in a shared space that people could get at them, a quiet space, a small space. We often think about big things and numbers But for vulnerable people, it's small spaces and quiet. So this is us, 37 in the background there. It's next door to a tea shop, and we connected to the existing tea shop. We use existing businesses and work with them. God's got his people everywhere, you know, not just in the church. And then we're in partnership with the mental health team. So the lady you see on the left, uh, she works for the mental health team. She's a person of peace. She's an atheist. She loves what we're doing. She loves that we pray there. She's absolutely fine with it, and she's taught us how to do this stuff without overdoing it. And because she sits with us every week and because she makes herself available, the church doesn't do mental health care. We're not good at that. We need to just work out how to do well-being for ourselves and then signpost to where it is happening well. So the partnership is really key to work together, to learn together. But this is the place where it all happens from. So when we took on our little cafe space, bearing in mind New Life Baptist Church in West Bridgeford, we don't have a building, we've never had one. And bless their hearts, the 150 people that are part of the church had been saving up for a building and looking for a building and longing for a building for a lot of years. And then God said to us that we'd take this little place on. It's very little. 20 people would sit in the cafe, that would be it. So when I led them white-knuckle ride through the journey that God was taking us on, they gave up a lot of their own dreams for the most vulnerable people in our community. The space itself is £14,000 a year rent just for a tiny space because of where we are. And because the church pay for that, we still meet in schools and community halls. But actually, the beauty of this prayer room... So when I tried to say to the guys at the church, we're going to put a wall up here, and this bit's just for prayer... It was, what? But if we have a sliding door, then we can use it for youth and we can use it for children and we can have it for... And God had said, and we'd seen a picture of Jesus with a soft whip just saying, just for prayer. So we knew this space had to be just kept quiet. And it's half of the space we have, just for quiet. And there's the genius of it, I think, that God put in our hearts was start with prayer. And if you do nothing else, pray. And there's so much wonderful social action going on around the country that to have a space just for prayer, but not just for the church, this has been delightful. Three times a day we pause and invite people into a rhythm of prayer, Psalm 103 in the morning, Lord's Prayer at lunchtime, prayer of examine, review the day at the end of the day. Simple, 
10 minutes, 15 minutes, but the place is open for prayer all day. And it's amazing how many people use it. 83% of people in a recent survey in this country said they regularly pray. Who too? <laughs> we get to introduce them to whom that is. So uh, that was great. And then a year ago, I got some money from Cinnamon Network to replicate. So I stepped back a couple of days a week from leading church. No, I didn't really. But that was the idea. I made myself a bit poorly for a year or so because I was um, doing both. And so I've had to lay down leading church, which has been pain in my heart because I've been part of the church for 30 years and met my husband there. And now we're finding another church to be part of. But... This has happened. So Bentley and Doncaster, this is a betting shop which is now being transformed into a new centre and they start week after next. We've got Sheffield, two girls in their 20s who out of their church, St Thomas Philadelphia, are setting up a little cafe where once a week they turn up, co-produce some activities. I love this word co-production. Have you heard this? This is mental health speak. It means to do stuff with people rather than for them. I think it's what God does with us, maybe. And then... Ruddington, which is a village near us, instead of the four days a week that we do, they went, we're a little church, what can we do? So I'll say, what's in your hands? And they went, well, there's a nice cafe, unfortunately called the Black Cat Cafe, which they then had to have a church meeting about to decide whether it was demonic. I went, I I think you'll be right. Anyway, the cafe owner just lets them use it. They just set up there after two o'clock when it's not busy and they have a corner for prayer. And so it's cost neutral. And they've shown up, and now they've opened one called Renew Out of Hours for Young Adults in Someone's Home, which is the same principles, be prayerful, be in partnership, and be present. Show up when you said you're going to. It's really not rocket science. So this is Hutnell, which is also Nottingham. It's in their existing church building. I didn't think that was what I was doing. I thought I was getting the church out of the building. You see, what I do is when I go and talk to churches, I say... Mental health teams are working with these five ways to well-being. I don't know if you know them. Connecting, learning, getting active, taking notice, giving. They're all really good ways to attend to your well-being. Well, that sounds like a good church, right? But we put the walls on it, and it's quite hard to get at this community. So I say to churches, just get out of the box, and there's your five ways to well-being all in the box. And, oh, look, it's a cross. It's a bit of a gimmick, really, isn't it? But... So when Hucknall said to me, we want to use our existing cafe, we've got a really nice cafe, I'm like, well... But when I met with them, it was obvious that their church is on the high street and they've glass-fronted it and it was quite fine and they worked out how to make a smaller space and they're working in their existing building. Mental health team, when I did the training, so I do a, a couple of hours of training, it's normally for a little team of hosts from the church. Their mental health team workers came. The lady from Tesco came. I had 21 people at a training for a two-hour cafe. I said, you've actually got too many people to run a cafe, so you're going to have to do it a bit more often. Delightful. Derby, again, in a church building at the moment. There's something going on in Derby. Pray for Derby. I drew a line through all the cafes we're working with at the moment. North Allerton's on that line. Derby's on that line. It goes from Berwick down to Poole, and it's like the spine of the nation. I don't know if you know you're in that, but there you go. This is Rublev's icon, and it's supposed to depict when Abraham met under the tree of Mamre, but it's sort of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When you see the whole icon, you read an icon. And when you look at that icon, it's like there's a space at the table, and that's your space. And what we say with Renew Centres is, we're not the hosts. He is. Father, Son, and Spirit invites you to the table. So actually, that's you as well. So with our hosts, with our people from the church, we don't call them volunteers. They're the hosts, and the other people are the regulars. But to be honest, we're all there, 
as humans attending to our well-being. I think mental ill health is probably a gift to the church to stop us from having any power because we're all on the level footing on this one. We're not going to be able to fix anybody, but we will be able to be honest. That's for you to pray for us. I'm about to go to the Isle of Man tomorrow to set up cafe number 10. So it's quite exciting times at the moment. God is doing this stuff. When I'm doing it, it's like somebody says, wow, it's amazing what you're doing, Ruth. I'm going, the ball was already rolling. I'm just running behind it, to be fair. It's a perfect storm for the church to get involved in the area of mental and emotional health, if you dare. You'll have to be honest, but the mental health teams are, are desperate for us to join in now. And it's that time. So I just want to take you, you'll be glad to hear, to the word of God. Just before I read the scripture, right? I wrote this poem two and a half years ago before we set up Renew 37. It might help you understand what it is that I think God is up to. It says, I can see a place where all are welcome, where family is beyond blood, where those who thought they had the least to say, least notice taken, become most loved, most honoured. A place where all seek God, all seek and find his beautiful presence and become viral carriers infected by his sweet love and grace. A place where we all acknowledge ourselves as broken and no labels are necessary other than human and loved. Where sin is acknowledged and left behind and sadness is allowed to be what it is for as long as it needs to be. Where honesty is the native tongue and being transcends doing. Where sitting quietly with yourself and God is valued as much as busying yourself with others where the other is seen through the eyes of the God who made them, and all are loved with his compassion, where simplicity, gentleness, and joy live. And God is not privatized into meetings, where we become, all of us, young and old, co-creators with him, of small things of beauty, of large systems of justice, of little works of art and big works of courage. A place to dream, to imagine, to dare a place to pause, to rest, to be, a lump of yeast of kingdom life carrying the DNA of Christ to every home and workplace, a quiet, shared space where it's okay not to be okay, where being prayerful, present, and in partnership breed hope and love and peace, where one place become many places, a web of well-being across the nation. I can see a place. That's the dream. So keep praying. Thank you for your prayers. Turn with me to Luke 11 because there are five words I want to leave you with today. Whether the Renew stuff grabs your prayer fancy or not, I really want to leave these words with you. They are five really key words for the church at the moment, I think. Luke 11. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. Like that already? Jesus was praying in a certain place. He's got the disciples with him. He often had the disciples with him, and he always prayed in a certain place. That's how he taught people to pray. He prayed, and he had people with him. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, here's the five words, here we go, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and lead us not into temptation. That's how it comes over in Luke. And of course, you'll know Matthew's version is a little different. So I'm fascinated by this prayer. I am 
absolutely captivated by it. And it has changed the way I think about prayer. And so just for a few minutes, I want to bring you these words, Lord, teach us to pray. Because I actually think those are the words that God is saying to us. And those guys out there that have passed us as we came in, they're saying to us, teach us to pray. I think we're saying to God, teach us to pray. And they're saying to us, teach us to pray. It would seem to me that's what I'm hearing from my friends who don't know Jesus yet is, oh, could you teach us to pray? And we're busy trying to fix people, and actually prayer seems to be a bit of a thing that might be being missed out. I love, you know, when you follow the disciples through a gospel, I just love reading the gospels. I love that when we get to this place, I like to look back and see, what have they just had going on? So at the beginning of chapter 10, they've all been sent out in their twos, and they've seen all these amazing things happen. And what's Jesus said? Did he say, go and get loads of people and get them to come into church? I didn't really have church, so he said, no, go and find people of peace and stay with them. We've turned that on its head and we've tried to fill our buildings, but actually what he told us to do was to go and find people of peace who are already out there, already doing the stuff, not always in the church. (laughs) They're out there. They're in the mental health teams. They are people with lived experience of mental ill health who are ready to teach us. And if we take their hospitality and go to them, There's something really good going on. Anyway, they've had all that go on. They've come back and they're going, wow, it's amazing. Even the demons are, you know, believing in us and it's great. And Jesus says those words in verse 20, don't rejoice that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice your names are written in heaven. Okay, okay. So they're getting this. You know, if you were a disciple and I, is it just me? I just love putting myself in their shoes. And what did they know? What did they really understand? And I'd be going, well, that was good. That Right. So don't rejoice in that. Rejoice. My name is written in heaven. And then Jesus tells this story about the good Samaritan on the back of all this good stuff they've done. They'll be thinking, ah, right. So I've got to be good to my neighbor. So this is about good works, right? I've got it now. So I, I've got good things that I need to work out how to do. And then they go to Mary and Martha's house. So the very thing he's just told a story about, and this could have happened chronologically, maybe not theologians amongst you, forgive me, but actually right then and there, there's Martha doing some stuff and serving, and Jesus says, well, look at Mary. One thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the better portion. She's not doing anything. She's just sitting at his feet. So come on, Lord, is it about the doing and therefore we need to get out there in the world and do more about what we're seeing going on out there? Or is it about the being? And should we be sitting at his feet? And unfortunately, and for those of us who've been on the road a long time, we'll know people go to one extreme or the other, don't they? Our friends who in ministry are burnt out and they go and set up a retreat centre in the middle of somewhere very distant. And they're beautiful places, but then... The doing is over here somewhere and the being is over here somewhere. And what we were doing with Renew Wellbeing is trying to bring the doing and the being together. It's amazing that when you put your quiet habits next to your busy habits, it stops you thinking it was you. So then Jesus takes them all off to a certain place again. Now, if you go back through and see where else they've seen him pray... It's not surprising that they say, Lord, teach us to pray. I was a bit surprised by their request because I was wondering whether they'd want to know how to do a few miracles. Maybe the thing with the bread would be good, the fish and the bread. And and if you were going to ask Jesus to teach you to do something, which one of those miracles would you quite like? Actually, they say teach us to pray. And then you look back a few chapters and they've had the transfiguration. So they've gone up on a mountain when he's just praying 
And his clothes are glowing and his face is glowing and, he, and there's something going on and there's characters from history dropping down out of heaven and it's like, okay, there's something about this praying that is at the heart of who Jesus is. So it doesn't surprise me that they want to know how to pray. But it does kind of surprise me that Jesus then teaches them this prayer. And I don't know if we've, some of you will have done, but I don't know as a church in this nation we've got our head around what Jesus was up to here because we end up parroting it. You know, like a learn it and say it. There's no harm in doing that. But I think it's more a pattern to go through. What can happen when you become mentally unwell or depressed or anxious is all your prayers become worrying with your eyes shut. And what can happen when you're in a church and you've been in it a long time is your prayers can become, nobody's asked me to preach yet, but I'll have a go anyway. And what can happen if you're in a prayer triplet with people that you don't get to talk to very much is your prayers are just a nice gossip session, but just for prayer. And prayer becomes this thing, like I really love praying for the persecuted church. I I love to do it. But it can make me heart heavy because I don't quite know how to do it. And then I think I haven't done it enough. And then I feel guilty that I haven't done it enough. And then I'm in this cycle of I'm not praying enough. And prayer became one of the things that made me unwell. Can you believe that? I can't quite believe it now, which is why I show you this. It isn't that we don't have petition in our prayers. It's that if we are immersed in his presence, prayer is like breathing. It's amazing how many people come to me after I've spoken and go, oh, thanks, Ruth, because I'm really rubbish at praying. You can't be rubbish at praying. It's like saying you're rubbish at breathing. If you are alive in him... You are praying. It might be that you could do it in a different way. It might be that you could be closer to his heartbeat. But every little moment of your day, you're praying without knowing you're doing it. And if we align ourselves with guys out here who are walking past and driving past and I can see, there is prayer going on all the time. Because we have eternity set in our hearts. And we're trying to work out what it looks like. So Jesus teaches this prayer. And it goes like this, our Father in heaven, honoured be your name, our Father. That would have been well shocking to start with. I mean, not just that Jesus is using that kind of Abba term, but that's an inciting to riot type term because that Father image would take them back to the Exodus when Moses stood in front of Pharaoh. That was the first time God was referred to as Father. There's the imagery of coming out of captivity in that word as well as this beautiful sense of relationship with the God who made us. You know, when people say to you, I don't believe in God, say back, what God is it you don't believe in? Because very often, the God that people have got in their heads is is an amalgam of a lot of rubbish. And some of it they've got from the church. Our God is so kind. He is almighty, but he is so kind. He is our Father. He is your Father. He is my Father. We can't be in this on our own. There's no such thing as an isolated Christian. You just can't really live like that because I'm here with you and he's our father, right? How's this not good news? We honor his name in the way we treat each other, the way we speak of each other, the way we don't speak of each other. We honor his name with our names, with speaking each other's names, with grace and with encouragement. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's it. That's the prayer. That's it. Like it is in heaven on earth here. That's what I experienced at Falde Brennan at this retreat center was when I stepped out of the car, I could barely move (laughs) the presence of God. It wasn't magic. It was prayed in. 
It was a prayed in space and, and it was thin between heaven and earth. And miracles happen quickly without anyone praying for anyone. <laughs> Would you love that? I'd love that. Because should that not be where we put our feet? Should that not be where we worship and meet? Should not the heavens touch the earth wherever we are? I long for this stuff. What's it all about? I think it's teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. Pray in this place. Not get busier. Pray. Give us each day our daily bread. This is different to the one in Matthew, which has a slightly different version. But both of them use this word daily bread, which is, hang on, a bit of Greek coming up. Watch out. Epineosis. Epineos? Epi- anyway, the Greek bit, just in case you thought I was clever, I can't read my own writing. I was going to be really clever then. The Greek is a word that's only used in that story. It's a new word. That word for daily had never been heard before. I don't know how they knew what it was, really. But anyway, it means super substantial, super being. Epi, more than super. And it's this substance of being that is a bit more than. That's the sort of bread. So it was daily bread. They would have been hearing in that daily bread the manna off the floor. They would have the echo coming off the the wonderful breaking of the bread and the giving it away. Later they would understand the breaking of the bread before the cross, Jesus' body. And they would have the fragrance of the bread when Jesus cooked them breakfast. Don't you love that story? What would the risen Christ do first? Cook you breakfast and bring bread? (laughs) There was fish, you get that bit, but he made bread. (laughs) There's something about bread where this epineosis word is, it's mysterious. It's normal. We all know about bread, but there's something about what is to come. It's yes, there's daily bread for today, but also the daily bread for tomorrow. Tomorrow's bread today. There's a a lovely little book called Sleeping with Bread, which during the the war, there were a lot of children who were orphaned. And there was a story told that they would take a piece of bread and sleep with it under their pillow because they weren't sure that there would be bread for tomorrow. And Sleeping with Bread in this book is about the, the act of prayer of examine. At the end of the day, you know that God has been faithful, so you believe he will be tomorrow. And there's something in this teach us to pray, this daily bread that I felt when I went through this earlier on this morning. I mean, really early this morning. I was awake in the night praying for you. And this was the phrase that kept leaping at me. Tell them about daily bread. So I just have to tell you, there's bread enough for you for today. And it's enough for under your pillow. And I think it's actual bread for you. I think for some of you as individuals, you just need to know there's enough for you for today. But don't, like the manna, try and keep it because it won't last. So real substance of things for you, there's more than enough. Don't panic. We, We live like practical atheists when it comes to money and stuff. When God told me to give up leading new life, it was really tricky because they're really generous. And we get a great stipend in a house and I've always been the main breadwinner. And it was really scary. And so it took me a year to be obedient. <laughs> and God has seen us sorted. We've got enough funds for this next year to pay salaries. It's remarkable. I haven't started fundraising yet, so that's remarkable. God is always good for his word. There is enough. But I think maybe it's for you as a church that there's a few things you think you can't possibly do because you can't afford it. He's no man's debtor. If he tells you to do something, do it, whatever it is. 
he'll pay for it. He always pays for what he orders. And it's also about your bread for tomorrow. It's the fact that this bread is somehow feeding your soul and it always will. Don't think it'll run out. It's in the everyday moments. Forgive us our sins as we forgive each other. Do you sometimes wonder whether that's what church is really for? <laughs> it's a playing field for us to learn about forgiveness. <laughs> I think sometimes that's why we need to be in church. We need to belong to church. Because here is not just where we know we're loved and it's all wonderful. This is where we learn to forgive and be forgiven. This is where we choose to not speak ill of each other, even in a prayer. <laughs> this is the hard bit. It's much easier to be a Christian out there on your own. I've got my favorite little church, which is me and a lady called Yvonne, and she's housebound. And so I go to her every week and we have church for two. I love it. We rarely have any problems at the church meeting. It's always great. But actually, this beautiful thing. This is a beautiful church, you know. I got the sense of that when I walked in it. And lead us not into temptation. I mean, he leads us, right? Why would he ever lead us into temptation? That's a weird prayer. But actually, there's a temptation, isn't there, to play it safe? And there's a temptation to do what we can manage. And there's a temptation to keep it within our comfort zone. As Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory says, of course we stay in our comfort zone. It's called a comfort zone for a reason. Actually, stepping outside of it, where only if God shows up, is it okay? And if not, we're stuffed. I mean, that's probably where I live right now. And really, that's where faith steps in. There's an awful lot of what we do as church that would carry on even if God didn't show up. But once you start to get involved with the most vulnerable people in your church and your community, the blessing of God falls on that in a way you could not imagine. Deliver us from evil. When we pray this prayer in our little cafes, this is where we pray every day with the persecuted church. Because there is only one church and that church is persecuted. And for people with mental health issues who get very stuck, like I did, on one thing, to remember we're part of a church where some people can't even meet like we are, it reminds us who we really are. This prayer, teach us to pray. This is what I leave with you. If you say to him, Lord, teach us to pray, and this place becomes a thin place, which I think it already could be, and this community begin to see what it is you're seeing, they will be saying to you, teach us, please, to pray. I had a picture as I came in. The picture I had... I couldn't understand it, and I'm just making sense of it now, and I wasn't sure whether I'd share it, because it was a beating, beautiful heart. I tried sharing it yesterday, and it wasn't for yesterday, so I think it's for you as a church. It was a beating heart in a box. It was a transplant heart. It was full of life, but it was in a box. And it seems to me that for some individuals, the beating heart of the love of Jesus is in you, but it hasn't quite got to your actions and your habits yet. <laughs> and so there's some disconnect with the actions of your bodies, the habits that you get into. Find some habits, do some habits every day that keep you immersed in him. But I think as a church, some of the connections that you're looking for now with the wonderful things you're doing with the living room and stuff like that, that this has always been a warm beating heart, this place. But that God's about to take you out of the box and connect you up to the places. And I don't just mean North Allerton. I mean, there were 16 churches nearly here, I think, it represented in your building, taking the love of God from this place elsewhere. I think there's some blood pumping going to go on from this beating heart. 
and it sounds like a harsh word to say you've got a heart in a box so I didn't want to bring it it's not that sense the sense from God is him saying I love you new life I love you my heart is beating in you there's a warmth of welcome in this place that's remarkable but I'm about to connect you up and I think the connectors are probably people you wouldn't normally look to probably services you wouldn't normally work with people there was a lady I talked to here yesterday she's not a Christian I think she's one of your connectors You might not normally look to her to be a connector, but you've got connectors connecting you into where the life is needed. I'm going to just pray for you. Sometimes you go, right, you all need to come and get some prayer. I think sometimes the response is not about coming and getting prayer, but about doing something about your own habits of prayer. However, this has touched on quite a lot of stuff to do with mental health and well-being, and some of you need someone to put their arm around you and say you're not alone. Some of you, I think here, get what I'm talking about so much that your heart's nearly jumping out of your chest, and you want to be someone who does something about the mental and emotional state of the nation. I'd like to pray for you. I'd like to give you a bit of whatever this is that I can't handle. One of the lads that came into our prayer room a 16-year-old, he'd lost his brother to suicide, and he's autistic, and I taught him, and I, would, I just didn't know what to say to him. Didn't cope well with being close to people, but he sat in our prayer room, and when he came out, he had his Gideon Bible in his pocket, and he pulled it out, and he went, Mrs. Rice, because he wouldn't call me Ruth, Mrs. Rice, is it all right that I've written my own psalm? I said, yes, Tom, that's fine. He said, can I read it to you? And this is what he read me. I'm not a Christian. When my friends are in need, you are mightier than their troubles. When I'm down in the dumps, you are mightier than my sorrows. When nothing goes as planned, you are mightier than the day. When I don't know what to say, you are mightier than words. Yet with your power, you cradle and nourish us. You help us all be mighty, Lord. God is doing things in spaces of prayer that we could not imagine. Lord, I thank you for this church and that their heart is already beating and warm for this stuff. Thank you for the leaders here. I speak over them courage and faith that there's bread enough for this stuff. There's bread enough for this day and some under the pillow for tomorrow. Lord, there is enough to do what you're calling them to do, to be a beating heart connected to the places in this community that are desperate for you. Lord, Please hear my prayer for this lovely church, that the connections would go far and wide. And from this beating heart, life would flow in this region, I pray. Lord, over this whole body now, come spirit of the living God. Break the bread that's in our hands that we think is only just enough for us. Break it, share it, give it away. And Lord, first that we would tuck in to the feast that is laid before us. I want to pray this over the men in this church. I got a load of chance to pray for the women, just over the men in this church, because there's men in this community for whom they're dying on their feet for lack of a friend. The biggest cause of death amongst males aged 30 to 50 is suicide. And Lord, we pray right now over the men in this church that even for the sake of someone else, they will get in touch with who they really are in you and know that they are loved and work out how to speak about it. Lord, would you do a remarkable work of grace that the wonderful softness of heart there is in this church would get out there. 
Lord, thank you so much. This bread, this daily bread, this epiosis mystery of each day, this forever bread we take, we break, we share, we feed on bread that's always there. We wake and plead for this day's bread. Epiosis, it's there, enough to share. Our daily bread, with echoes of the manna moments, picnic multiplying miracles, fragrance of a saviour cooking breakfast for exhausted, hopeless friends, whispers of this is my body, broken for you. Dawn of us knowing we cannot eat our daily bread without you. This epiosis, this house of bread-born Jesus, gives us tomorrow's bread today. And so we say, teach us to pray. Give us, all of us, together us, beyond this place, truth and grace. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, teach us to pray. Amen. Thank you, Ruth. Uh, I've been praying all my life. I'm 57 years old and I've been praying for 57 years. And the Lord spoke to me today and said, it's okay to keep saying, Lord, teach me to pray. And I think as a church, we've been called just to get our L plates on and learn how to pray afresh. So let's be doing that as a church. I'd just like to affirm Ruth's word for us about that heart in a box. I think God's really calling us to open up that box and share the love of Christ with everyone we meet. Elizabeth. It'd be great if we could just hold steady a moment now. I'm just going to ask Ruth if she can come back up and if Steve would also join us. We just would like to pray for you now, Ruth. Would you just reach your hands out to Ruth and we're just going to pray for her and what God has put in her hands and her heart. Lord, we thank you that Ruth has been faithful, not just today, but in many preceding days and months to lay herself down bit by bit as she's known how as a sacrifice for you, Lord. We pray for her now that you would keep her firmly in the center of your will that you would just help her to pace every day according to your will, to know when to say no and when to say yes. Lord God, we pray for an increased and powerful anointing and strength for her in the coming days. Thank you, Lord. There's a move around this land in the way that Ruth was sharing today, and uh, we know some of that in this church. And uh, we're, we're kind of at the moment just struggling to know quite where the next stage is. We just thank you, Lord, that you are in control. Thank you, Lord, for this word this morning. and Thank you for every expression of your heart of love. The day of playing at church is, is really over. We need to be Jesus out there in the community. And that's what we're trying to do, many of us. And, uh, you know, we're getting a measure of success. But, Lord, we pray today that you break through all our hearts afresh. Give us soft hearts. Take away that heart of stone. That we're okay, you know, we've got ourselves sorted and we'll do what we can. Lord, we pray that we would just feel that soaking of your Holy Spirit this morning. That you'd move us all, men and women alike, not just with emotion, but with the power, the life-changing power of your Holy Spirit. So we pray for Ruth afresh this morning, that as she takes this message across the country, that you would give her success beyond her imagination just as those loaves and fishes were broken and an extraordinary event took place that wherever she sets her foot extraordinary events will take place the communities lord where there is little faith would find faith and would find the love of christ like never before we pray that in jesus name amen
Thanks for being with us this morning. We pray the Lord's blessing on you in the week ahead, and we pray multiplication into renewed well-being today. Thank you, Ruth. God bless you. Thanks for having me.